from the Kramer Basketball Headquarters in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. You are listening to the Coach's Edge Podcast, powered by Coach. Here is your host, Steve Kramer. Welcome, 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 Coach Dave Gilbert, Milford High School, as we dig into defense, philosophy, the phases, how we transition all the way to rebounding the basketball. Uh, Coach, Coach's Edge member, we've run a handful of camps and clinics over the years with the Milford basketball program. So, Coach, we've known each other for a while, but I couldn't believe you've been coaching at Milford for over a decade. This is the decade. This is year 10, right? This year. So, um, and that's at the varsity level. So I've been. um, Yeah, you've been coaching plenty of years before that. Uh, Time flies. It does. It means we're getting old, unfortunately. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, don't remind me. Don't remind me. Yeah, no doubt about it. But it's, it's great to have you, you know, as we dig into this podcast, it's just really cool when we have guests, but those guests are also members of Coach's Edge. Coach, also people that I know personally or have seen uh, how you interact with your kids, whether it's, you know, me coming in, your communication with them, how you teach with them, some of the stuff you build as a program uh, from a a culture standpoint, a tradition family standpoint is really, really impressive. That's a whole nother podcast topic that we could talk with you about because you've done a phenomenal job uh, coaching at your alma mater there, but really breaking down the framework of defense and how you've implemented that with a, a strong basketball program in Milford. So first and foremost, if you could talk about what your hopes are and kind of that big picture program defensive mentality and identity, and then we can dig into some of these phases more specifically as we get throughout this show. Absolutely. Um, you know, being an alma mater, I, I played for the winningest coach in Michigan basketball history, Don Palmer. Um, and he, he coached over 40 years at Milford, both boys and girls, for a long time and uh, just finished up his career. I, I don't even know how many seasons, but I know he's got over 1,000 wins. And, you know, so we were just taught defense. I remember being a kid looking in, like, the Oakland County Press, and it'd be like we, – we played a slower style in high school, but, like, it was like you had to play defense if you wanted to see the floor. And so I just – I'm a big tradition guy. I also, you know – I a big Tom Izzo fan. I just, I just think it starts with that. I think it starts with the mentality um, of, of really, we call our defense warrior, like a warrior's mentality. Like you're going in and my job's to stop you, but we're doing it as a team together. And um, so we've always just prided ourselves on the defensive end, you know, at, at Milford, the town level is going to fluctuate from year to year as it does right with every school. But one thing can be consistent and that's your effort defensively, your mentality defensively. And, and that's going to help you stay in and, and win a lot of games too. So um, that is a huge part of what we do. It's a lot of what we preach. Um, we do it through all levels and we've, we've kind of created this program that it's kind of the phases. And by the time they get to the varsity, we hope they're very familiar with it, very comfortable. And we're just adding layers and layers and layers to it. Mm-hmm. So um, it, it is just a part of our, our Milford program and mm-hmm. it always has been. And as, as long as I'm here, I know that we're going to continue with it. You say warrior and you have on some of the handouts that you showed me a person who shows or has shown great strength, courage, 
for aggressiveness. And that's in bold print at, at the top. And, and you got the uh, championship belt, which we might, I'm sure we'll uh, get into later on this uh, episode <laughs> as well. And how that plays a, a role in some of the things that you guys do in yeah. practice, uh, I'm sure as well, but with every defense, there's an identity and there's some non-negotiables, right? Some things that we have to do this. And if we know we yep. carry out those things, we hold one another to those standards. We know just based on that alone, we're starting to build a, a strong bone structure to everything else that we're trying to do. So what are some of those non-negotiables for you guys? Yeah, for us, um, you know, it's, it's funny because when we, I first started coaching, you know, we, we had our defense philosophy and I had two assistants and we were literally on both sides, you know, pack line. And then my um, assistant now, and he's been with me, I'll give him a little shout out, Nathan Coos. He played for Garth President at Rochester College. And mm -hmm. he was really always talking about, you know, force this, force baseline, force baseline. And it just took me a while to get there. But, you know, once we really started to talk and break it down, I'm like, man, I really like where this is headed and, and what we can do with it. So, um, you know, our, our non-negotiables are absolutely no paint, no middle drive. We're trying to keep that ball on that, on that sideline to a side and your help you rotate from there. Um, you know, offensive rebounds are absolute no, you know, are just absolute pride on the glass and, and being in proper position to, to make those rebounds. And, you know, we really get specific with how to rebound the basketball too as well. Um, and then again, it's kind of the mentality aspect, like we're not giving easy layups, you know, when we're in the half court and really even starts in transition, right? We just do not want to give those easy layups, those easy six, eight points that teams are going to thrive off of and get momentum off of. Those do not happen, you know, within our defense. So that's where we're really steering our kids. Um, you know, that gives them just a little base framework. Like you said, the non-negotiables. And now we can build the details from there. No paint, middle drives, no offensive rebounds, no easy layups. That gives us a, a foundation. Now with your no middle, is it more of a, a force baseline, would you say? Would you go that far to say it's force baseline? Or would you say we're more or less just not letting them go middle? If you, Does that make sense? Um, yeah, no, absolutely. We're trying to force you down in that that baseline area, that 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 fuzzy area of like, oh man, I'm stuck. What do I do with the ball here? You know, mm -hmm. where you're we're really trying to get them in between that three point line. You know, and I think the hardest thing to explain to our kids is we're not forcing them to the block because if you get towards the block, you've got right. the ability to do some things as the ball handler, right? So we want to kind of force them right down to that baseline in between the three point arc uh arc and in, in the block and then we, we try to do some trap stuff from there depending on the team the sky report those types of things but really trying to get that ball down there where that's a tough area to do something with the ball you know whether if you're shooting that baseline jumper that's just a lower percentage shot you know mm -hmm. range baseline jumper you know and that, that's going to put you in um tougher shooting situations mm -hmm. again we try to bring our help over that's going to give us more trap opportunities which can get turnovers which can lead to fast breaks right so there's there's kind of the method to the madness, but we are absolutely trying to get that ball down on that baseline. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're absolutely right. It's, it's a really tough shot. Yeah. If you pull it from down there and two, if you force down there and somebody picks up their dribble, now everybody else within the offense has to get out of their spots that they want to be in to yeah. come and help you out. So yeah. just on that alone, you've thrown every the entire offense and their motion, their structure, the locations that they want to be in out because that is not a spot the coaches say, oh, yeah, we want to get the basketball to 15 feet on the corner and then <laughs> yeah. we want to pick it up. And then, OK, with a, with a dead, dead dribble and a poor shooting percentage. And that's where we're going to play the game. That doesn't happen. No. Um, so um, I love that right there. Now, as you break down defense, 
into different phases. You have six phases uh, of the game, starting with, with transition. And so we'll just head through these first. But transition is your first phase of defense. Tell us a little bit about you know, how you teach your defensive transition and what some of those philosophies and core principles are for you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's just, it's funny because again, we talk about this, the Knights are, we struggle defensively. It sometimes seems like it's our transition D that it hurts us, but it almost starts with our offense, right? You you miss a lot of shots, teams get in breaks. So we, we say our transition D starts with our offense, decrease the turnovers, take good shot selection, pace of play um, and spacing. You know, if we're doing things right offensively, most of the time you're going to be able to get your defense set up in the situations that you want it to be, you know? So um, that, that's a big, big key to it all that sometimes we just forget, you know, you, you'll go back and you look, why do we, what was missing? And you go back, well, we shot horrible. We turned the ball over and <laughs> you're just like, that's maybe where that night, the tough night started, you know? So, um, offensive rebound principles, that is definitely a game to game thing for us. We have a good transition team. We might not send as many guys to the glass. It's kind of a personnel thing. We have a good offensive rebounding team. We're going to send some guys there and try to take advantage of that. So, um, go guys and get back guys. Go guys are the ones going to get that ball. Um, we want them on the rim, trying to go get those putbacks and those bonus points. Um, and then our get back guys, you got to stop that ball and, and stop transitioning. And the biggest thing I, I kind of learned as we started to dive into this warrior defense is um, in transition specifically, is trying to flood that transition ball to the side, right? Like if the ball is coming up the right side of the floor, we want to keep that ball there, A, to have that ball stick, right? And this is, just gets in right to the rest of our philosophies, which you're gonna hear in a little bit, just how we wanna keep that ball on the side. But it also allows our guys to get back in transition, get to that paint, right? So then, um, you know, we're really just trying to flood, keep the ball on one side and allow time to recover from there if that ball is moving quickly, so. I love it, you're stopping ball, protecting the paint, <clears throat> you're getting into your matchups. Now, is there a specific person that stops ball or is this based more on the matchup um based most of the time in the matchup but usually it's our usually it's our guy that's on on top of um you know when an offense as we're moving once the shot goes up if you are on top you're the get back guy you know does that make sense you're the first get back guy you're going to be the one that is going to pinpoint where that ball is right and try to slow it and stop it and then obviously everybody's transitioning from there we have we have Made some adjustments with that over the years, sure. um, but obviously that kind of seems to make the most sense. And we actually um, like our offensive rebounders kind of coming <clears throat> coming from their corners and crashing from their corners. I think it's a little bit more. Um, I think those guys sometimes get forgotten about, right? So those are the guys kind of crashing, and then the other guys are the first ones transitioning back. Is there a certain uh, level that you like to start to stop the ball and get it to veer towards one of the sidelines? And, and do you have a preference? You usually try to push it up to the left side or the right side? No preference on, on side. Um, okay. You know, it's what we're absolutely trying to really keep it there, right? Keep it on that side. Um, yeah, and we're trying to pick up right about half court, maybe a little mm -hmm. bit um, just on the other side of half court. And so, um, but you obviously you got to stop that ball early. You know, you got to have that communication. I think, honestly, the, the thing that we – not struggle with, but we emphasize the most is communication with our kids, right? Like you are declaring, I've got that ball. Who's taking first pass and, and getting back from there and, and really emphasizing getting the rest of those guys back to the paint. One more thing before we get into phase two, you talked about if you're behind the ball on a breakaway, you're sprinting through to the player, swiping at the ball. Yeah. Can you just talk about 
why that's an important emphasis for you? And, and is there a drill or something that you use to practice that? You know, honestly, I, I think watching our lower levels, this is like the biggest thing um, I've noticed over the years. And we, we really talk about this and emphasize this. Number one, um, a lot of times officials are not in position to make that call. You know, offensive guys, a couple steps, looks like he's going to have a breakaway, but we're hustling our butts back on defense. Um, there's an, we're beating the official back, right? Every kid now wants to make the LeBron James, I want to pin the ball on the backboard block, right? We want that highlight reel type thing. But most of the time, there's going to be contact with that. It's going to be a foul, right? It's advantage. We teach our, our guys to hustle back, get ahead of the ball, swipe down and through as they're going up into that motion. And I, I'm not kidding you. It almost seems like once or twice a game, we're getting there and we're swiping that ball low. And it goes off them and goes the other way, or it, maybe it goes off us and we get to set up our defense now. Um, and and it's a it's a hard foul to call when you're behind the play, right? Even if it looks, you know, that's a hard. You're not in position to make that call. So it's it's something we emphasize. And I mean, I feel like our freshmen hear about it for me the most, you know, because <laughs> also it's a hustle thing too. So um, it seems like such a little detail. But, I mean, how many games come down to the wire and it's a two, four-point game and you've saved a couple buckets because you've hustled back and you've made a play that's going to help your team and um, not necessarily make try to make that highlight backward block, which most kids can't really make. <laughs> most kids can't make it. And even if you do get a clean block, you run the risk of them calling a foul anyway, you know, if yeah. there's any type of body contact. Um, it's such a good point. I remember my freshman year, playing JV basketball, um, Aaron Fernald, who used to be a assistant coach at Saginaw Valley, he was our JV basketball coach. And you're saying, listen, if you're not in front of the play, you try to wall up or draw a charge or anything like that, and you know you're not going to get there, don't slow down and try to block that shot. Instead, run through. Yeah. And swipe. And swipe yep. down, right? And he's like, even if you don't touch the ball, just the fact that you're running through, yeah. Like if I can, if I can run actually in front of the guy who's gonna go up for a layup, he's gonna take his eye off the target for a minute. So now he's gonna yep. look at you, and because of that, he might miss a shot. If he's looking at you and he fumbles the ball, now he's just traveled, right? Yep. Just all all these little things, and I, I started doing that. I did that my entire career moving forward, and I couldn't believe how much that little thing worked of sprint and swipe yeah. compared to, Hey, I'm just going to get up and block the shot. Even as somebody with long arms and that could jump like myself running and swiping through was absolutely the way to go. I got way more stops and, and call for a lot less fouls doing something like that. Absolutely. 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 It's like I said, it seems like such a little thing, but it's a big thing in the long run. <laughs> it really is. It really is. So you get back in transition and What's our next phase once we've done a good job of, you know, stop, stopping the basketball, we're getting into the paint protect and we start to get into our matchups. Yeah. Um, you know, our next phase, phase two, we just call it on ball positioning and our closeouts. And this is, I uh, mean, this is the bread and butter, right? Like you've got to be able to stop the ball. You got to stop um, your man from again, going middle or, you know, drawing that penetration. And so, we spend a lot of time on stance and closeouts. I mean, it's embedded in every single one of our practices. Our um, guys hear about it. And so our three, you know, keys under this phase is must have ball pressure, uh, stance and footwork, and then just our closeouts, stick in the face, getting the hand up. So um, as far as our ball pressure, and again, I, 
I explained this, Steve, before this, um, for everyone listening, is I got a lot of stuff from uh, Josh Loeffler from John Hopkins, and it was over COVID, and I just listened. There was a lot of the stuff that we were already doing, but he kind of gave some great terminology from this. And so he used a term called win the first dribble, and I just absolutely loved it. It's, um, you know, a guy is going in the direction that they would like to go. Your job's to beat him to that spot, right? You, you do not want to give them the step. You want to give them advantage. We all know good offense is creating advantages against defenses, you know? And so when you can win that first dribble with your ball pressure, cutting them off, not allowing that ball to rotate where you want it to go. Um, we want to allow that first pass to the wing and we don't want to allow any more passes after that. We want to keep that ball on the side. So making sure that we're dictating things on the defensive end with our ball pressure um, is super important to, to our identity. Um, you know, stance and footwork, you know, we want our feet pointed to that sideline angle. We want that nose on the inside shoulder, again, trying to keep the ball on the side and also trying to force them, um, down to that, that short corner, like we talked about earlier. And then as far as closeouts go, getting one hand up, you know, sticking that hand, we say stick the hand to the face, you know, obviously contesting shots, um, and, you know, keeping that hand high and, and making it tough on them as they catch the ball. And that's the biggest thing, I think, in all defenses, right? We don't want to be slow to rotate. We want to be there with a hand in their face, being in proper position, nose on the inside shoulder, being ready to win the first dribble when they catch the ball, not slow to react. So this is just a lot of the stuff that we do day in um, as far as footwork and details. We're working on our on-ball positioning and closeouts often. Well, it's a great point because – you could have any sort of technique on the actual finishing aspect of the closeout, but if you're not quick to get there, it doesn't matter what you do yeah. or how you do it. Right. And so to be able to get out there quick enough to read the pass, the action, the location, whatever that might be and get out there quick allows everything else to happen much, 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 much easier. Uh, so that's yeah. huge. And maybe we're getting into this in, in the phase three, but, and if, if we are, we'll just jump into phase three, but What's the location, you know, if you're in the gap, you're one pass away, what's the stance location? You talked about nose on the shoulder when we're closing out. What's my body positioning if, let's say, the ball's at top of the key area and I'm guarding somebody who's on the wing? Yeah, and that that kind of depends. This kind of does get into phase three a little bit. Um, you know, it kind of depends on where you're at and those kind of things. And, and again, with the way um, – the game has gone with a three point shot, right? We have to, we've had to guard the corner differently as we've, you know, evolved in, into this offense. I think just think kids are becoming much better shooters, right? And so um, we teach two things as far as helping into our gaps. One's a close stance. So you're angled towards your defender. So it's, it's easy to re for reversals not to take place. And we do, we stunt on any dribble drive, right? So if I'm just imagining the ball's on the left hand side. I got shooter corner. We are not selling out. You need to be able to stunt and recover and be able to contest that corner three. I think that's just where you're, like I said, just becoming a much higher percentage shot these days. Um, and we cannot give that up. So your, your help's really coming from your baseline guy coming over and he's helping outside that paint, outside that block. Um, you know, so that's kind of your, your closed stance. So you're able to stun a little bit and recover. Open stance is when you're ready to sell out. This might be that big guy coming over to help, right? Uh, he's got his, his butt to the baseline, pointing out man ball. We're being ready to help step up and, and take a charge. So um, we teach, again, close stance, where you still got to be able to see that guy open is when you're selling out to that ball and you're trusting your teammates to rotate appropriately behind you. 
so yeah, we're already getting into phase three, which for those, uh, for our listeners, that's gaps and rotations. And you've already talked a little bit about uh, what those gaps are as far as our stance and our positioning, uh, some of the stunts and, and recoveries. Tell us a little bit more about what those rotations look like. And also if you could give an example of how you teach it. Yeah, it's, um, <clears throat> you know, as far as, rotations goes you know we really again it starts with like we talked about everything obviously leads to one another so when the ball's on that wing we're trying to keep that ball on the side and force that baseline drive so when that ball goes baseline which again we're trying to hope happens whatever x amount percentage of the time we're meeting outside of the paint with that baseline help and everybody is sinking and filling the best way i've heard this taught um is actually from my my freshman coach former player um aiden Morzeka. what's really cool is once we started to put this in um, he played at Trine University and Trine just really kind of evolved into doing the same type of stuff. And he really taught our guys, you don't have a man, right? You were guarding as five, you know, so if someone drives and it's your responsibility to sell out to the help. And whether you're taking that charge or walling up outside the paint, everybody else, you are reading and reacting where that ball is going. You do not have a guy anymore. And that's so hard for high school kids to understand. So I think this is a complicated defense. But once we get in the teams that we've had, you know, the kids have understood the concepts. It is tough. It's a tough defense to break down and crack. And so, um, you know, as we sell it to that help on that baseline drive, everybody else is sinking and filling. We try to form a triangle off the ball. Um, so that's one guy on the, you know, still on that ball side. He's kind of sinking into the mid post area. There's that school bell right there for you. <laughs> and then opposite of the ball, we have a guy in the elbow and the opposite block. And again, they're reading and rotating where that ball is going. And so um, we're not giving baseline. We're trying to get in a trap situationally down there on that in that short corner. Um, and so everyone else's job is to read and react. And whoever's closest to that swing pass or that reversal, you're going out there. It might not be your guy that you had to begin with, but you're going out there and everybody else, we call it scramble. You're scrambling, you're rotating, you're moving. Um, you're getting back into our, our closeout principles again. You, you know, you're guarding the ball. If you're on that ball, you're guarding the ball, and you're trying to force them back into that that short corner. So, you know, one I, I love this. It just goes back to you know our, our high school coach and uh, our college coach. At Hope it was very much no middle and these same rotations. And it's it, as you said, it's a hard defense, but at the same time, it's also hard to play against when you're on the low side and you need to slide over to help when someone's been beaten on a baseline drive. Is there a point that you're telling your guys, say at this point, you got to make sure you're not, for example, let's say they're midline, right. To, to start mm -hmm. see, okay. Wingman gets beat. I got to help enough. So I'm helping outside of the lane. Is there a point that you're teaching them? Hey, when the offense gets here, you need to make sure, or is this more of a intuition or just a certain amount of reps that players are starting to feel, okay, my guy's been beat. I got to sell out and get all the way over there compared to, you know what, he's done a pretty good job at beating them with that first dribble and he's more or less fu funneling them to 15, 16 feet. Yeah. I mean, to me, a lot of that is just communication, right? We talk, especially our, our rim protectors down there. And again, it's not always, depending on how you rotate, it's not always your big guy, but having an understanding of what is behind you as you're guarding the ball, you know, and let's talk high school game a little bit. Ball tends to stick a little bit longer. Teams don't necessarily move the ball. I think college is 
much harder, right? Because guys are knowing where people are going to be and things like that. But if we say if you're guarding the ball and you hear that, hey, I'm here right behind you, you know, you might be able to get up a little bit more, more ball pressure, almost fake like you're going to allow yourself to get beat because you know you've got that trap situation with your teammate behind you, right? So communication is so important with this. Um, and so I do think some of that is, like you said, intuition, but it's also having an understanding of where your teammates are on the floor and how you can play that ball handler. Mm -hmm. Communication early, loud, and often uh, can make up for a lot of little mistakes. Yep. Let's say something does go wrong. Let's say you know it's a poor closeout on the wing. You know, he rips it. He beats his man to the elbow or the nail. Yeah. You know, how, how do you guys try to recover in those situations? Yeah. Um, you know, we – we still should be in gaps there, right? So you're still stunting hard from your gaps. And again, I think if you're in, if you're off that gap, you're communicating the guy happens to be your teammate middle, you're stunting really hard. We're trying to stunt so hard that they pick up that basketball early, right? We're not allowing them all the way to the lane. Um, but we also, again, and some of this comes with scouting, but it's still, again, in the high school game, um, we're trying to stay home on shooters. If you know you're not a non-shooter, you can sell out to that a little bit more. If you know you're on a shooter, you just have to understand personnel matchups. Um, you know, but then your ball side posts, again, guy gets middle, middle lane drive. We have our ball side post step up. That's where you're walling, you're showing your hands. Um, and then your weak side has to drop and move over to take maybe that dump pass away. So again, if you're allowing, if we get beat middle, you're getting, you're putting your teammates in that scramble situation, but we're also prepared for that because we know we're moving where that ball is moving. Um, and there should always be contests on that ball where you're communicating early so not two guys are going um, and you're understanding where your rotations are coming from. No, I, lo I love it. And, uh, you know, are you are you helping strong side post um, off off of that because it's a it's a shorter distance? Yes. Yeah. Yep. So what if there is no strong side post? There's no strong. So you're more of like a five out situation. Yeah. Yeah. We're really. If you get if you're running against teams that are five out, we are still really all the all the way over and help. Like you're on that you're on that midline and you're reacting to the ball. We our term we use all the time. We say it probably our guys probably are so sick of us saying it. The ball scores, mm -hmm. right? The ball's the thing that can beat you. So that's where your focus is. Um, you know, if you <clears throat> if our guys get beat, you are stopping the ball and we will react everywhere else. You know what I'm saying? So there's no ball side post or whatnot. Your guys out corner, um, you know, whether you're opposite, it's probably still opposite is where our help's going to be coming from. Um, but you're stunting to recover, staying in the ball side corner. Um, but the ball scores, the ball must be stopped. Period. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so you get into phase four here, and I'm so glad you have this as one of your six keys to your defense or your six phases to defense, because boy, if you got a, a kid on the other team with some wiggle, with some shake, yeah. <laughs> and they got they have some game, this alone could uh, be a nightmare for you. So yeah. uh, tell us what uh, phase four is and, and how you emphasize it with your team. Uh, ball screen D, you know, and obviously almost every offense seems to have some sort of ball screen, right? You're seeing new, all the high NBA ball screen stuff you see all the time now, or, continuous ball screen, uh, you know, some of that Villanova stuff. And um, so we emphasize this is, is a, seems to be another daily thing for us. And we incorporate this a lot in our four and four shell stuff. Um, you know, hey, we're going to go four and four shell, but you have to have a ball screen first before you take a shot, you know, and, and we work on this a lot. So um, two things I'm going to say 
on our wing ball screen and like dribble handoffs, we try to ice. This is a, was a very hard concept. And this was actually something we did new last year. Um, and we still are working on it and incorporating it. This was the toughest thing for us. And I would say this was our weakest, weakest aspect last year. I uh, just had been a hard time of trying to ice that ball screen. And what that basically was, is we were trying to basically eliminate that, that ball screen, have your defender move up higher. That starts with communication and then your posts, you know, coming up and trying to basically, um, have his feet connected to the screener became almost you know, a lot of times a trapping situation. Um, our posts sometimes just often stayed in no man's land and that wasn't good either. Right. So they were able to, to move and, and get around those screens and then our on-ball guys weren't getting high enough. So one of the adjustments we made this summer is we are hard hedging those wing ball screens now. Um, and we are, Again, depending on personnel and scout report, we're either hard switching, all right, hard switching um, or trapping. And though that's the adjustment we've made on those those ball screens this summer. So, you know, generally the on-ball defender in an ice situation is very aggressive. They have to be. If yeah. They're going to keep the defender along that sideline and forcing them baseline in your case. So you gotten away from that a little bit, but still being very aggressive, right? Yeah. It's, with hard hedge, switch, trap. Uh, things of that nature if they if you get into any one of, of those situations and the ball isn't all the way back into the middle is how how much does the ball get to the middle of the court before you say hey it's better for me to get more so butt to the rim or am I always trying to angle the ball handler back towards one of the sidelines Still trying to angle. Um, so let's say in this situation, as I mentioned, our, our adjustment, like our, our big that's coming up in hard hedging, like it's still his responsibility to keep that ball on that side, right? I mentioned it earlier with our off ball, we should, especially on wing ball screen, have um, a triangle off that ball, right? Guy, There should be a guy basically all the way over on um, strong side elbow, strong side block, and then we're leaving that other side – not allowing for skips, right? But we only have one guy on that other side guarding two. You know, he's yelling, I got two, I got two, I got two. So um, so with our aggressive switch now, we're still trying to keep that ball on the side. Nice, nice, nice. So that breaks down a little bit of, I mean, we had a coach on and do a podcast only on ball screen defense. And he, he mentioned a really good point for, and this is true at the college level for a lot of high school teams as well. If you don't have a good plan for your ball screen defense, you don't have a good plan for your defense, mm -hmm. period. You know, we see it all the time at the NBA level. We're seeing it more so at, uh, uh, you know, a ton at the international level, at the college level uh, now, and it, seeing a ton of ball screens and DHOs at the high school level. And so if you don't have some, some rules put in place for how you're going to consistently guard this, as I mentioned before, you get a team that does this really well, or you get a kid or two on the other team with some shake to their game, mm -hmm. you'd be in big, big trouble, maybe in this situation faster than nearly any other. Uh, so definitely to our listeners, make sure you got a plan for how you're guarding the ball screen. That's huge. Phase five coach, you talk about post defense, post defense. Do people still play post defense? <laughs> <laughs> you see it from time to time, time to time, right? <laughs> still playing post defense. I, I, oh man, I love this. Um, I'd like to see some more post offense uh, here and there yeah. as well. And I know you guys implement that. And that's, that's one of the things that, you know, make you guys so hard to guard is uh, you, you play both inside and out. So tell us a little bit about 
post defense, what it means to you and, you know, how you guard those teams that really try to get the basketball inside. Well, it's funny you said about the post defense. One of the reasons we went to switching screens again this summer, um, I, I just, what team <laughs> identifies switch, identifies mismatch and says, clear out, I'm taking the smaller guy down to the post anymore. It just doesn't happen. So I said, hey, I trust our bigs to move their feet. I trust our help mainly, you know, is what I'm saying in that situation. And if a guy tries to post you up as a smaller guy, you get your butt to him, you front hard, which goes into what our post defense is, is fronting and having that backside help. And you just fight your tail off, you know? And so, um, but I just, am like, if no one's going to take advantage of it, we're going to switch hard. We're going to play aggressive. Um, and we're going to say, please try to try to utilize that big mismatch because our defense is built to have all that backside help there because we're so aggressive in our help. So we are total um, front occasional three quarters based off scouting. But part of the reason why, if you think, you know, we're trying to force to that to that baseline, um, if we're fronting, our guy's already in the place that he needs. Exactly. To be, right? mm, so exactly. Um, Music to my ears. <laughs> exactly. Yep. So and then if you're going to try to throw over top, our backside is supposed to be where we're mm -hmm. supposed to be. So, mm -hmm. I mean, honestly, I can't tell you the last time it just I mean, maybe I'm, I'm wrong. Maybe it did happen last year, but we don't get beat over the top. You know, yeah. and our help is there and our bigs are, or whoever's guarding that post is, is fighting hard in the front. And he's, and then that baseline drive, we're already in the right spot. So, yeah. No, I mean, it, one post passing isn't practiced very often. Post yep. moves aren't practiced very often. And so if you can front the post and kids do say, hey, we're going to throw inside, you're probably going to steal that pass. Let's be honest. If you have good ball pressure, <laughs> yeah. if you yep. have good ball pressure and then you have someone front in the post, they're probably going to steal that pass. Yeah. Right. I mean, we saw some of the James Harden stuff this last playoffs trying to throw it to seven foot three MB. Right. And had trouble, mm -hmm. had trouble doing it. When guys fronting the post who's a foot shorter, you know, it, it can be done. And with your defense, we were talking about this with Coach Campbell, Croslex, um, a couple of days ago, who runs a very, a lot of pressure defense and talking about, you know, same things. For fronting the post, we're already in a great position to help uh, when we push a baseline. Because we're front and we know, okay, we got backside help over the top if the ball does get there. Um, and we got rotational help if it is a dribble drive. So that's all really good stuff right there. We have to finish our possession off. How do we finish a possession off if it's if it's not a turnover? We need to get that ball. We need to get the, the defensive rebound. So what are some of the things you break down on the rebounding side of the defensive game? Yeah, this is so, you know, it's – I realized I think the first year we really started to emphasize, you know, this warrior defense. It was when I don't even know if I had the face six on here, right? Yeah, I'm just like, oh yeah, we're gonna rebound, right? And uh, you know, again, you learn, you learn as you, you do these things. And I'm like, we need to teach rebounding more. I remember our first practice, I think this was year, I think it's 2019. That was actually one of our best defensive teams. We did our player meeting. I go through an hour of slideshows and expectations come into the gym we do a defensive intensity drill and I get the whole program 45 kids right lined up and we taught properly how to hit how to seal how to go get and we just taught the fundamentals of rebounding um and actually I have my stats up here I don't know if you're going to grill me on some stuff but I think we we're plus 8.2 on that rebound margin that year you know because it was just such an emphasis for us we also had a a nice six, seven athletic kid. So I think that probably helps with that, right? We, we are what our, our, our talent is and what our guys buy into. But, you know, I just, you got to, you got to emphasize the rebound. It doesn't finish, the possession doesn't finish until you get a rebound. So just a little concept things. 
Um, there's two things, three things, hit and seal in the post. I, you know, some people are trying to almost abandon the old school box out, but I still think if you're down there and you're fighting a true post guy, you got to get your butt into him and you got to move him back and you got to hold that position. Um, on the perimeter, we're more so hit and go find that basketball and go get it. You know, you're not going to hold and seal out there. You're just going to make sure that guy's not flying in. If he is, you give him that little forearm and then you go get that ball. Um, one thing last couple of years, and I, I've, again, you're, you're, I'm learning all the time. I'm still trying to learn, um, you know, his kids don't follow their shots anymore. So one of the things you see on here on three point shooters, if you're closing out on the three point shooters, we are not hitting that guy and, um, hitting him anymore. We are leaking out and trying to get in transition with the guy because kids don't follow their shots anymore. Nobody follows their shot, you know, and, uh, and so we're trying to take advantage of that. And so that's something we, we really tried to work on a little bit last year and try to get a couple of runoffs due to that. Um, but yeah, you leak your clothes out on a three point shooter. Um, that's just something new, a little tweak for us. Yeah, no, I, I, I like that. And I need to apologize to some of our coaches edge members who were at a recent zoom. So we talked about defense, defensive rebounding. And I talked about being hit and get as my main philosophy, but you're right. There's two different things. If some, if some, if you and the offensive player are close to the basket, it's not necessarily hit and get, it's hit and hole, right? Or seal, as you put it, uh, and you're yeah. fighting for that box out. And the, the box out is still, I think, uh, alive and well, or can be utilized at the very least more often in situations like that. So I really like that you, you're teaching two different ways of rebounding based on the location and some personnel. I think that's really important to emphasize. And I love the fact that you're, you know, you're breaking down technique at tryouts with 45 kids in the program saying here it's, it's, it's one thing to have the want to the, the will to go get that ball. And that's huge when it comes to rebounding, but being able to say, Hey, here's some of the technique and how we go about uh, rebounding the basketball is, is huge as well. So um, I, I love that as well. You know, coach, we go on and on. You have different drills that you like to use. Um, you know, we could, we could go on and on. You gave different percentages and stats throughout this handout that you sent me. Can you talk about, you don't have to give any way, you know, super detailed percentages, but that helps, right? You know, we talk about the, the balance of basketball being part art, part science, the importance mm -hmm. of analytics in the game. How much has it helped your coaching staff as well as your players to be able to give them information and say, listen, you know, hey, hey guys, when it, you know, 22% of teams points came because of breakdowns in the areas of positioning and closeouts. How much has that helped you guys? Yeah, I, I was telling you earlier <clears throat> when COVID happened, um, I didn't know what to do with my time, right? <laughs> so it was, it was in a lot of ways a blessing COVID itself, obviously just a horrible thing, a thing that we all experienced and what these kids, you know, went through and obviously people that were impacted by that. But as a coach, I sat there and I really spent some time watching and learning. And, and then I was like, this is a, a time I got to utilize to really look at our program and what we're trying to do. And I spent the entire one, you know, entire time. I went back to a previous season and I watched every single defensive position. I mean, Obviously, it's just so glorious now with huddle and things that you can do on, on film. And I said, okay, why did this team score in that possession? Why did they get three to the line in that possession? Okay, it was because of this factor, poor, you know, positioning and closeout. And we just really went and identified 
you know, where were we getting meat and why? And I, I just spent a lot of time doing that. Then I, I know another thing we did, I asked our coaching staff, okay, what do you think is the most, you know, key statistic, you know, for wins and losses? And we did our, our you know, I've been coaching now for, you know, 10 years at the varsity level. And I went back and we looked at, you know, things like turnover percentage and rebound margin and, you know, opponents field goal percentage. And it, you know, what things correlated with our records those years, you know, why did we win those games, lose those games? So, and I also being in education and you're just talking about kids and changing, you know, they want to know why, you know, like, why are you so emphasizing, you know, like you just mentioned, 22% of teams are scoring on breakdowns on, on ball positioning. They want to know why are we emphasizing these things? Why are we doing these things in practice coach? Why are you making us drill? Why can't we play more five on five? And, it's nice to have some statistics to back that up and explain to kids, here's why we do these things, you know, and, and they, they truly buy in and everything. There's so many million ways to do things. And, um, you know, there's no right or wrong. It's just what's best for you and your program. And, um, but our kids buy into playing defense and mm-hmm. you know, I got to, you just, you know, move the slides, Bobby Knight quote right there, mentals, the physical is the four and the one, if they can really buy in mentally and their bodies are going to follow, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, um, it's nice to have some stats and all these different ways to break things down for them, but it boils down to them buying in and believing in what we're doing. I love that. You talked about the opportunity to dig into the game a little bit more than you may usually have time to at uh, different points due to the pandemic. One of those things was coachesedge.coach. As I, as I mentioned before, you've been a member for a, a year plus. You know, Tell us a little bit about that experience as you know, it's October and we're opening it up to accepting new members. Why'd you join Coach's Edge and how has it helped you so far? My relationship back with you goes, I think, back to our college days when I first got into coaching. I think you're either playing, I hope, or coming off. And just obviously knowing what you preach and do, I, I definitely just wanted to buy into that. And, you know, I, I'm one of those people that really focuses on what I'm doing as a teacher and coach. And I can sometimes just get so clued into Milford. It's one of those things that helped me realize just how many other people are doing great things out there and learning and, um, you know, I, I read a quote somewhere. I'm going to botch it. I'm not, I'm not great with reciting these things, but in the 20, when you're in your twenties, you think, you know, everything, but you actually know nothing in your thirties, you realize, you know, nothing. <laughs> and I'm now near my 40, 40 birthdays. And it's just starting to realize who we want to be and, um, starting to simplify some things and, and knowing what we want to emphasize. So, um, I'm learning and growing and, as I get older and continue to do this, it's just great to have other people out there that are experiencing things and experiencing things differently. And you, everything is stolen and tweaked from everybody. You know, we all don't have our own answers. We're, we're utilizing other people. And so coaches edge has been um, just a great asset for me to, to branch out and, and reach some of those things. And um, you know, it's just great to see some of the coaches from all over the nation, you know, kind of joining this. No, it's great to hear. And, you know, we're happy to, you know, be a, a supporter of Milford basketball in the sense of keeping track of you guys throughout the course of the year and uh, checking the wins and losses and being able to touch base with you throughout the year has been really, really cool. And I love what you said about knowing things, right? You've been coaching for a decade, uh, going in at Milford, coaching at a handful of stops prior to that. And I think of when I was in my late 20s, it's like, I got to, like, I know exactly you know, what, what I want, what I'm doing, where I'm going, things like that. The older I get, uh, the more humility I have. And, uh, you know, looking back, it's like, boy, I know a heck of a lot more than I used to. Yep. I have a lot more humility at the same time because I realize <laughs> exactly. all the things that I don't know. So let's finish with that. What's something that you did or thought 
you know, a decade ago, first year at Milford, for example, and you look back and you, you laugh at yourself now. Man, put me on the spot. You, you didn't prep me for this one. <laughs> I didn't prep um, you on this one. Yeah. You know, just um, trying to think of that that first. Well, I can tell you where I really um, I learned a lot. I thought we were going to be pretty good because I coached all those kids at the lower levels. Coming in in our first home game, I'm excited for my my first game, <clears throat> Wall League Northern. Home, you know, home opener, new coach. We lose by like 32. <laughs> I mean, it was just like. And I didn't think that team was that much better for us. And I will say, in fact, we came back later that year to beat them. But holy God, did I learn a lot just through that game itself, you know. But, um, you know, just learning there's a lot of different ways to do things. You know, yeah. I, I joke, my old high school coach, I mentioned him earlier, Don Palmer. We ran flex for like 20 passes, it seems like, in high school. And I just, you know, growing up, you're like, I bought in. I love the game, you know. I'm like, that's the only way to do things. I was going to go up to the middle school teams I coached at Claire and and Shepard and do the same thing. And then you, you're like, oh, my gosh, there's different ways to, mm -hmm. to coach this game. And mm -hmm. um, so just uh, like you see, I think you mentioned earlier, there's just so many ways to play this game. And it's a lot of it can be the right way, you know. Mm -hmm. And so um, is there one specific thing going back to those early years? No, but it's just, again, being able to be humble and um, have some humility and realize we're all continuing to grow and continuing to learn and not being set in your ways. And again, this defense that we just spent half hour talking about, um, I was against it at first, you know, I, we I was pack line, pack line, pack line, you know, we're going to force middle, keep our help at the elbows. And I, I realized, Hey, if we want to be different, you know, we want to, um, no matter who we had coming in, wearing that Milford Jersey, they were going to play defense with pride it was going to be hard, but it's going to be different. And that's, we're going to make, we're going to dictate what teams do offensively. Mm -hmm. I thought that for consistency over time, I thought that was going to be our best bet. And that's why we've totally bought into this defensive identity. Well, I love it. I mean, I'm, I am partial to the defense that you guys play. I mean, that, that falls in line with a lot of my, my current beliefs uh, at the very least, but as you mentioned, we're always tweaking, we're always changing, you know, and, and, you know, five years from now, you'd be like, Hey, you know, we still do a lot of those core principles, but we've changed these three characteristics, right? That's made us even better over that time. So we continue to evolve and learn as coaches as well. This was a lot of fun coach. Uh, if anybody wants to reach out to you, if anybody has any questions about any of the information that you provided, what's a good way for them to follow you? Yeah. Email's the best. Um, Milford one hoops at gmail.com. Um, I'm on there every day checking it and uh, it's starting to get to basketball season. So it's just even more and more and I'm gearing up and trying to come over there preseason stuff. So it's soon to be basketball time here mm -hmm. in Michigan. And uh, mm -hmm. so I love it. Like I said, I, I love learning from other people. So if anyone has questions or things, I'd be happy to pass things on. I got some video links to go with this um, of our own teams doing some of these things that we show our players some some good drills to go with each phase. So I'd be happy to speak with anybody who's interested. Mm -hmm. Well, I love it. Thanks for taking the time to be on the podcast. I uh, appreciate everything you do. Thanks for being a part of CoachesEdge.coach. And to our listeners, uh, have a heck of a basketball season. A lot of great things that you guys are doing as coaches, not just in basketball, but the positive influence that you're making on kids' lives. And that's something that we didn't get a chance to touch, touch to, but the relationships, the culture, the tradition, the family aspect, Coach Gilbert, that you've built looking from afar and then having the chance to step inside your gym a handful of times everybody a lot of people talk about it it's a real thing in milford right so uh props to you keep up the great work uh it's a great thing you guys have going and i look forward to following you throughout the course of the year awesome appreciate you appreciate you having me on thanks for listening to coach's edge podcast as always 
get after today.